wonderful song, isn't it? What would a book be if an author wrote a book and he, and, and he was a real author? Wouldn't the end of the book be kind of the settling of the whole thing, you know, the cons- consummation of it, you know, the, the, the conclusion of it? How in the world can we tear that out of the book that at this at the end of the story we fly away to eternal rewards to a place that he said I I I go away and prepare a place for you that where I am you shall be also. God help us to Keep the end of the book more in our life. We had a sister at home. I, I never understood it, but she... <laughs> you have those brothers and sisters in your life, you know, that are just, you know, you think, wow, God never stops his variety. She used to say she'd go and read the end of the book to see if the book was worth reading. Well, praise the Lord. Good to be in church with you this morning. It's not morning, so let's get that straight first. But with those lights, you don't know what time it is. Uh, But God bless you tonight. We we love being here. We love being part of the family of God. And uh, it was a privilege to speak to the married couples last night and... uh, you know, in, in, and I'm sure you Christians have found this to be true. A lot of times, the, the, the first time around, when something meets your life, you don't see it, maybe, for what it is. It's, it's, it's hard to, to uh, face things in your life. And I'm not only speaking of the Lord taking our children home, but a lot of things in life, uh, they seem real hard. You know, that wh- wh- why did God allow that? But it causes you to press into the word of God just the, the, the suffering of it, the heaviness of it, the desperation of it, uh, the tragedy, if it would be that, it causes you, by your hunger, to press into the Word of God. And then, by looking at the Word of God, you really see things as they really are. You know, you're, you're constrained or, or compelled by the gravity of the issue to look into the Word of God and, and focus and see things as they really are. And sometimes that 
I'm sorry to keep you standing, but I just felt this is the Lord. I hope I'm not in my own world. But I believe that that's why Paul said, don't be many teachers. Wow. What an anointing in our age and in our lifetime because everybody saw Brother Branham. We all watched Brother Branham. We watched him interpret. We watched him say, you know, type everything. We saw how deep his teaching was in the word of God. And wouldn't it be a kind of a human mistake? I mean, would you be such a, a devil to, to inadvertently begin to mimic that? But God's got a way to talk to people. And we're, we're believing that we're that people that hath an ear to hear. And that don't elevate us. But we're believing that, that God can talk to our hearts and move on us through his word. And, and sometimes I believe we need to give each other space. I feel like the ministry, God help me, what do I know? I'm, I'm struggling to, to be a faithful servant. But, I, but Brother John asked me to take my liberty. I'm speaking from my heart. But sometimes when I hear, hear ministers, I feel they could give the people a little space to, to let the message and the scriptures uh, have a little confidence in the people. To, uh, and sometimes I'm, I'm a little bit overwhelmed just as a, you know, not as a minister, but as, as someone who sits a lot in the congregation. I can understand what my boys say to me sometimes. You know, they say, Dad, you know, too much information. You know, lighten up, Dad. It just seems like maybe the Lord say, I got this. You know, I'm the shepherd of the full. Let's pray together. Sis, could you just play a little something? You guys play so nice. Could you play a little something? Let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, you are the shepherd of the flock and how much we're resting in you, Lord. Just such lovely songs tonight. Every, every one of them. Lord, I thank you for the singers that had the courage and the liberty to sing. I thank you for those children of yours that have penned so many beautiful songs, Lord. Oh, Lord, how many times could I count the times that you touched my heart with a song? You, you put that song on someone's heart, Lord, and the way they penned it, you knew, their, you knew they'd been someplace with you. 
I appreciate that, Lord. I appreciate music, Lord. I, I pray that you help your whole church, universal, with the music, Lord. Lord, would you help us, Lord, to know what's good and appropriate? I just love you tonight, Lord. And as we look to your word, we pray that you'd speak to our hearts. and Give us something, Lord, the strength that we need to carry on. We know that it's little by little. You'll, you'll give us the land. You'll bring us to an expected end, Lord. And grant us the patience to put every brick in the wall level and straight and right, Lord. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Touch after touch of yours, Lord, your sweetness and your goodness. We commit the reading of your word and this little time tonight into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. And let's turn in our Bibles to uh, the book of Judges. And we want to read a very familiar uh, part of Scripture, this Scripture about Samson. And Samson was a man that knew... Uh, the touch of the Lord. Whoops, we better read our scripture. I've had you standing a long time. Judges, the 16th chapter and the 20th verse. And she said, this is Delilah speaking to Samson. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. May the Lord bless his word. You may be seated. So Samson was someone who knew what it was to be used of the Lord. He knew the anointing of the Lord. He knew what the presence of the Lord was. He was from believing family. He, he lived you know, amongst believers he was very familiar with the battle between good and evil, the, 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 the chosen of God and the Philistines. He was quite aware that uh, that there was the children of God and the righteousness of God. And then there was a people who cared nothing for the God of Israel and were only bad news. 
But somehow, in all of this being used of God and feeling the anointing of God, he took on an attitude that he could go over and enjoy some things in the other camp, namely this girl, Delilah. And somehow he absolved himself. I don't know if he kind of, you know, blessed himself like the Catholics do. You go in the doors and they have a little bowl of holy water there as you come into the church. And then you just put your finger in there and they bless themselves. So that, you know, that makes it easy. You know, and it's holy water. That's why there's a blessing in it. It's been, I don't know where that water's been. You know, I don't know if it went to Rome and, and got shipped or, you know, the archbishop blessed it. But whatever, it's holy water and it's sprinkled on and anybody can do it to themselves. My, it, you know, is that not the age we're living in? I mean, it's just such a, a religious thing and everybody's blessing everybody and, and everybody's blessing themselves. But there was something going on here with Samson that he wasn't realizing that he was playing with fire and as time went on, because the, the Bible says that daily she vexed him with her words and urged him. And it said that his soul was vexed unto death. He had gotten in so deep in this that there was a tremendous struggle within him on his insides. And so, finally, what happened to Samson was he, he exposed his secret. Now, I believe for every believer, there's a place that only you and he can go. And if you don't have that, then then you're never going to understand the kingdom of God because Jesus said his first doctrine, the first doctrine of Christianity, Jesus' first doctrine was this, that you must be born again or you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. That's, hallelujah, that, that, you know, that's as good on the North Pole as it is in the jungles of Africa. It's as good in Washington as it is in China. It's as good wherever you go to church. If we all got up out of our pews and marched over to the closest church and we heard the whoever's preaching over there said, you must be born again, we'd all have to shout, Amen. Amen. And that birth will never be anything less than a mess. And Brother Branham, in some of his preachings, gets a little bit graphic about comparing the natural birth with the spiritual birth. But when you wonder if you're a young person or an older person or it doesn't really matter, you know what gets really messy 
is when an established Christian who's been down the road a while starts to listen to the voice of the prophet and saying, my, did I really get that? My, that gets messy. Yeah. But Brother Branham said this, just to encourage you a little bit. He said, I believe this is that. Okay, but wait, there might be some Bible, you know, somebody who's not too sharp in their Bible. What is that expression, I believe this is that? Okay, remember Joel said that he would pour his spirit out on all flesh? So on the day of Pentecost, I believe it was Peter come out. Some of you correct me if I'm wrong. But he said, men and brethren, these people are not drunk. This thing that's come out over them, where they've got so happy and so anointed that really they're not afraid to be embarrassed anymore. They're really not so concerned about you know, how much you think of them because they're thinking a little bit more of what God thinks of them. And, and I loved, I saw a little quote the other day, said you ought to be more concerned about your character than your reputation. Oh, hallelujah. You look, my, my you're easy to preach to. This is, I'm going to have to settle down. But, but so Peter come out there and said, these people aren't drunk. But this is that which was prophesied. This is the filling of the Spirit of God. This is the ghost of Jesus coming into these houses and haunting them with his spirit, with his ghost. It's not something vague. You know, it's not the, it's not the you know, the spirit of freedom. It's not the Pepsi spirit. It's not, you know, uh, this and that. It's the ghost of Jesus living in your house. It's a person. And Brother Branham said that the church got so sophisticated and so educated, they didn't want to use that word ghost anymore. They were a little higher class of people, and that seemed a little spooky. You know, so we can throw out the blood, we can throw out the ghost, and we can just learn all this terminology, but I'm convinced it's time to recognize that the one with the most terminology is not the best Christian. Yeah, the greatest vocabulary, that don't make you nothing. Oh, we really learn. My. Okay. I'm trying to be reverent, saints of God. I'm not, I don't want to put on any show or any airs. And I, of all believers, have no place to be hard. I've failed the Lord too many times to be hard with my brothers and sisters. I'm looking for mercy. And I'm looking for grace. But you know, sometimes you do have to give yourself a good talking to. And say, wait a minute here. Who, who's, who's in charge here? White dog or black dog? You know, spirit man or carnal man? You know, what are we going to do? Be, be, be religious or are we going to be sold out to Christ, our husband? 
and, and so Samson here, he, he got a little smug attitude. And he just said, you know, well, okay, now I'm, I've, I've kind of wandered into some shaky places here, but you know, I'm just going to get up and shake myself. My goodness, I hope you're not thinking that tonight because you know who does the shaking? God does the shaking. If he don't come and shake you, you're not going to shake yourself. You can't more, no more help yourself than you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps to the Milky White Way. So we're obligated to live a life and to be consistent and conscientious and diligent not to grieve his Holy Spirit out of our lives. And what's really beautiful about repentance is it can happen right now. And right now is all the time. Now I've been fighting this battle enough to bend in that shape where you're on your face repenting. You just go a little space. <laughs> you know, this battle couldn't go on. The poor soldier, he couldn't, he couldn't march only but this little space till he had to kneel down again and say, oh God, forgive me. I, I repent. But it, it looked like Samson, he just got a little smug and he thought that he was going to shake himself and I, I love these old English words because you got to think about them a little. Now, I like my King James Bible. I, I, you know, I'm not selling Bibles, but I don't know where to put it. Okay, I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in an age. I thought I was right in the middle of the fight. You know, I got born again. I jumped in the ring and I'm, I met my brothers and sisters and I said, hey, we're all in this thing together. You know, you know let's fight the enemy. Let's overcome. Let's do this. And, and I come to the conclusion that my private time with this book and my Bible got so precious to me. I remember the day I bought my first Bible. I went to the Bible bookstore and the the Bible was, I think it was 58 bucks. If you knew what I was making then, it was like, ooh, okay, $58. But then I paid more. Of course, it's not this Bible, but uh, I paid more to have my name on it. I wanted my name associated with this book. And this book became my companion, precious to me. talk about exposing secrets. I'll share my secret, but probably my secret ain't too much different than yours. Because, you know, we're not amongst Philistines tonight, I don't think. But my secret was this intimacy 
that I had with Christ that I believe that God was talking to me personally out of the pages of this book. It was love at first sight. I started reading my Bible. He's talking to me. I, I knew that this was romance. This is a love affair. This is sacred. This is precious. This is my secret. It's holy. It was something that I talked about discreetly. I reverenced it. It was my secret, and it's not for public scrutiny. As an older person, I am, I don't usually use this kind of language, but I learned it from a client of mine one time, aghast at what gets spoken publicly as far as in the world and sometimes with people that there seems like no respect of intimate things and sometimes terminologies and things get spoken so flatly that I thought we regarded as sacred and holy and reverent. And humanity just has a way of taking everything through the mill of the, you know, the, the, the talk show mill, so to speak. Everything gets dragged through there. And after the talk show, there isn't anything sacred or reverent anymore. Hope you don't find me on a talk show. I'm not talking about television or podcast. But I don't want to be involved in talk shows. I want all of my fellowship, everywhere, any place, to be from a sincere heart, from somebody who's prayed up. I'm a believer in fellowship. You know, there's a ditch on both sides of the road. But you know, if you don't talk about anything, and, 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 and everything's taboo to talk about, and you can't share your heart, and you know, Brother John's unapproachable because I can't tell him that, you know, to be honest with you, I don't, I'm, the lights aren't my favorite, okay? Okay? <laughs> beautiful church, and it, I can see my Bible really good. I like that. But, but I'm being a little bit light right now, but I mean serious, more serious things in life. We should, as Christians, know that our heart is clean and that we're sincere, and we should be able to talk to one another and, 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 and be real and sincere. And that's not gossip. So if we label everything gossip, you know, we, we, we're a family. 
So I, I've said this before, I really believe that the place, it's one thing to zip this lip. You know, I've done that in my marriage life. You know, just zip it. Okay, but the truth is, sometimes behind zip lips can be pouting. You know, could be a lack of forgiveness. Could be stubbornness. Huh? This isn't a, you know, confession tonight, but... But so, so, zip lips is, 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 there's a lot of wisdom in that. But what's even better than that is down here in the heart, having that all cleaned out. Because Jesus said, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So how about just having this all cleaned out down on your inside? Maybe some prayer time. And then there can be some liberty. You know, then you don't have to be worrying if you're saying it right or whatever. Because Brother Bradham said, if you love somebody, that it injects a love into them. And he said, you can even say the wrong thing. But they know that you love them. So we're not a family. We're trying to catch each other at their words. And, you know, well, you said it that way and you said it that way. Come on. Oh, my. But, you know, there's nobody that knows your attitude like, no, I'm not going to say your spouse. That was Friday night. But the truth is, there's nobody that knows your attitude like you do. So, I don't know what, you know, who we're going to church for, the other guy? So Samson had an attitude, and I, I believe that he just got a little smug. And I don't know what the theological words for that is. Does anybody uh, get the drift? Huh? What smug means? Have you ever been there? Well, sometimes you're not aware that you're there until the Spirit of the Lord comes by. Sometimes you're not aware that you're there until you hear Brother Branham speaking on tape. Yeah, true. And then you're very exposed yeah. and naked. Yeah, that's it. So I just thought I'd read a few quotes from a deceived church from the wor- world. Or I thought I would. Maybe I won't. So, I don't know where attitudes come from. Brother Bram said this on deceived church by the world, but men wanted to be like they compare or to copy after. Go like the world does. Say things that they do. Make a success the way they were a success. We cannot never be a success doing anything the world does. 
We can only be a success as we follow after God's statutes and his way of doing things. We can never be by patterning after the world. If the cigarette company has met their greatest success by television and the beer and the whiskey crowds has made their great success through the contribution of television, that's no sign that the church shall make its success by television. Where is television today? Where is television today? Okay, so. The success of the church lies within the preaching of the gospel, of the power of God, and the demonstration of the Spirit. We cannot say because the television done such and such for the cigarette company and the other companies, we do not have any scripture to try to compare with them people. And as long as we do, we may draw great numbers of people, but that's not what God ordained us to do. We think because that we're all colors flying, flying high, great organizations, causing great colorful things to take place, that it's success. We are dying daily on our feet, spiritually speaking. If we stood 10 million strong this morning and the Holy Spirit wasn't with us, we'd do well to stand 10 strong with the Holy Spirit Amen. with us. Yes. We cannot compare with the world. And there's no need of any man to try to take his worldly knowledge and ever please God with it. It's an abomination in the sight of God. You'll never please God with the worldly ambitions and knowledge because it's an enmity to God. That's what the scripture says. He cannot do it. So, any of these self-remedies, they're not going to work God does the shaking. We might say, well, I'm going to shake myself, but God does the shaking. And what happened to Samson was, he thought he was going to shake himself, and he didn't know that the Spirit of God left him. And what did they do? They put out his eyes. Now, when you read your Bible, and you listen to a tape, okay, you are, while you're reading... And while you're listening, you are putting a picture in your mind. You're creating your own video. And this picture builds up in your mind, and then you have a picture of the kingdom of God. You have a picture of the will of God. You, Brother Branham was a great storyteller. You have a picture of those things that Brother Branham spoke. You, I, I, I can confess this tonight. When we were first married and, uh, well, 
early in our marriage, and, and my daughter was quite young, and some friends of ours had a trampoline, and they, uh, they, wanted, they were moving, and they said, do you guys want the trampoline? Well, you know, I'm a young dad. This is my first child. I had heard some people say that trampolines were just an accident waiting to happen. They said, that's just broken bones. And when I see a trampoline, that's all I see is broken bones. And, but I've had the experience that all these families have trampolines. It's also the place where the children have all these hours of getting that energy out of them. You know, it might save your woodwork or your furniture. Or I don't, you know, or each other. You know, but let them, let them, all that energy, let it, you know, go to the trampoline. So here I am. I'm a young dad, and I don't know, you know. But the days are clicking off, and you know, a trampoline isn't easy to transport. I don't know if they were going to take it apart and set it up again. I, I can't remember what the scenario was, but let's get on with the story. I didn't know, and the day was coming where I had to make up my mind. And so I'm going, I'm going out to work, and Louisa says, you know, what about the trampoline? Like, this is it. You know, I don't know how, you know, you can't keep praying about things forever. At a certain point, you got to, you know, yes or no. My kids used to ask me, you know, can I go to such and such event? I'd say, you, you know, I'll pray about it. And then finally, you know, so many days later, I'd say, well, I prayed about it. You can go. They said, thanks, God. Thanks, Dad. That was last week. You know, appreciate it, Dad, but it's okay, Dad. It's over. So I didn't do well. I didn't do well exiting the house. I just didn't do well. And I got in the car, and I'm trying to warm up the truck. And you know the story Brother Branham told about the man who'd kiss his wife when he'd go out the door. He'd get his lunchbox under his hand. He'd always go to the door. She'd open the door. She'd stand, she'd stand by the door. She'd say goodbye. He'd say goodbye, sweetheart. Give her a little kiss. And she'd say goodbye, darling. And he'd go off to work. And he said one morning, Brother Branham said they had a little spat. And he went out the door without kissing his wife. So he walked down the sidewalk, and he got to thinking, you know, she's been such a sweetheart to me and such a darling. What, what if something happened to her today, and that was our last? And so he walked back, and he didn't say a word, but she was crying behind the door. And he walked in the door and just gave her a kiss and said, bye, dear, and went on his way. That just fixed it. So have you ever seen the movie? I did. I was, I was sitting in my truck knowing I should go back in and fix this. And I'm not only hearing Brother Bradham tell the story, it's almost like I'm seeing it like a movie. And I can't make myself do it. And I go to work. Well, the next call I got was to meet my wife at the hospital. So I won't tell you all the details of the rest of the story. It wasn't my wife at the hospital. It was my daughter from being on the trampoline. But, and I'm not saying that 
about the point of who, you know, should we have got the trampoline or not? But the feeling that you have when your child is in the hospital with a really big, ugly break and you think she'll never play the piano again, the difference of that contrite feeling you have in your heart and that huffy feeling that you had, that's a killer. So what's the moral of the story? Don't never have that huffy feeling. Just be obedient. Get out of the truck. Go, you know. But I said that to say this, that when you listen to those tapes and you read your Bible, God is giving you a picture. I believe Brother Branham said someplace every time you read the word that's God revealing himself to you. I'm not getting the words quite right, Brother Ken, but, you know, because we want a appearing of the Lord, you know, in our life. We want the supernatural. And Brother Branham said something to the effect that every time you see something in the word of God, that's God showing himself to you. So they put Samson's eyes out And he's just grinding at the wheel, something an animal would do. And he's just going around and around, grinding, but he put his eyes out. And I I thought about this video age that we live in. This video age is trying to sell us a bill of goods, trying to deceive us into thinking that video is easier. And your body, brain, I don't know what they call these dopamines and all this stuff, okay? Your body will just want to go to that. It's easier to look at a picture. I marvel that some of these magazines, they're not too much print in them. It's just mostly pictures. You know, because I'm a builder, right? And my my clients give me a a picture, uh, some kind of housing magazine, and they say, you know, build it like this. You know, and so I'm like looking at the article, what is this, a Cape Cod house? And I'm just looking, I'm thinking, what kind of magazine is this? It's all pictures. And I I see that in this world that we live in, there's this always wanting this relaxation. You know, because we're living in a world of, of, uh, I learned the expression the other day, decision... Fatigue. We got so many choices. Just go and get your cup of coffee. You used to just, you know, cream or sugar, you know, large or small. Oh, no, you know, you want a frappuccino deluxe with caramel on the sides, or you want it wet, you want it dry, you you know, you want sugar in the raw, you want it with whole milk, half milk, 2%, you know what? Yeah, you know, and you ordered your coffee and you're proud of yourself. Like, you know, I, I made those decisions. I'm not trying to entertain you tonight. I'm just saying that this wealthy world that we're living in has given you so many choices that I believe it's making us tired. And I think we need to simplify. I believe with all my heart, 
we need to simplify, and I don't, I can't give you no advice on how to go about it. You, you know, but I believe God can help us to simplify. So I believe that this video age is trying to put our spiritual eyes out. Because he said, this is much more easy than making your own picture. You know, you got to read this Bible and ask God to help you see it, what he's trying to speak to your heart. And you got to have a little bit of interaction and a little bit of struggle and a little bit of meditation and a little bit of prayer. And, and knowing that it's the word of God, it's putting a little bit of pressure on you. Like, hey, you're a son of God. I'm trying to talk to you. Wake up. I think I just scroll over to Pinterest and I don't know, look at flowers, look at trucks, look at, oh, work things. Office supplies, right, for the new church, whatever. You know when you're wasting your time. And we're supposed to redeem the time. So there he was grinding at the mill because of his involvement with sin. And I always like that little expression, sin will take you farther than you thought you'd go. It'll take you farther than you wanted to go and it'll hold you longer than you ever wanted to stay. And it'll cost you more than you ever thought you'd pay. So you say, well, you know, preacher, I don't feel like I'm a sinner. And I don't feel like I'm a sinner either. But now Jesus said, because iniquity abounds, the love of many shall wax cold. So if you're sensing a little coldness in your life, if you're sensing a little indifference, you know, what's worse, hate or indifference? I don't know, it seems like from what I've read in Revelation, it's actually better to have, you know, be in a bad state and have a little passion than to be indifferent and lukewarm and don't care Remember Jesus said, he said, what shall I like in this generation? You know, we, it's like children in the marketplace. We've piped unto you and, and you wouldn't dance. We, we mourned and you wouldn't be sorrow. We, 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 we can't get anything out of you. So if there is that indifference, then there must be iniquity somewhere. Because that's the, that's the, that's the uh, symptoms. The symptoms of iniquity is indifference and coldness. And I don't care. I love that song about those ten leopards. And, and I believe the song is, I will be the one. And Jesus asked, he said, where are the other ones? 
And uh, he, you know, he said, I don't know, but I'm going to be the one that's going to praise you. I'm going to be the one that comes and says thank you. And, and uh, you know, I'm going to be the one that, you know, if, if until the rocks cry out, I'm going to praise him. There's a, a, a brother sang a song. He said, ain't no rock going to take my place. Ain't no tree going to take my place. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to live for God. If God will help me, I'm going to have some feeling in this heart of mine. By the grace of God, I don't know what I'm going to have to do, but I ain't going to just die here in my skin. I'm going to be crying out to God. I want to have a heart. I was saying at the banquet the other night, didn't really express it, and I went back to read the quote. It's hard to interpret the quote, but you know it's speaking to you. But Brother Branham said that when, if he wanted to help somebody, and people get in this cycle, and they get stuck in this thing, he said he'd have to contact their spirit and see where they were at. Try to somehow see where they're at, and then he said he'd have to break that circle of thinking and and he said it like this he said then let my thinking be their thinking now I'm not quoting it exactly but we're not prophets you know so let's not try to be more spiritual as a preacher I'm not trying to be more spiritual than I am but I'm always watching that prophet to see how much of that can I emulate because he is worth emulating and I don't know who's going to think what of me, but this is part of my secret. You know, don't tell Delilah this, but I believe with all my heart God's speaking to me through that voice. And I believed that before I knew anything about a cloud, anything about a prophet, anything about an angel, anything about Malachi 4, 5, anything about message churches, I knew when I was a teenage boy that whoever that was, that preacher man, that was talking to my heart. I knew that was God. My, that's been a secret down in my soul for a long, long time. I might get really confused. You know, funny how certain things, they go hand in hand. You want to do more for the Lord, and you want to get more involved, and you want to be more of a soldier and more of a worker, and you get more around religious spirits. We're not throwing rocks. Don't, we're not, this is no submarine business of, you know, the preachers trying to talk about somebody, and it's mysterious, and you've got to figure out who. It ain't that. But you go to try to do something for God and you start uh, 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 discovering your complexes. That's a little confession tonight. You know, it's not as easy for me to get things together, I think, as other people. You know, I just... See, like, sometimes you see movers and shakers, and I don't know, they got the golden touch, and they, they, you know, they know how to do the computer, or they, they, you know, they just know a lot of things, and, you know, and if you're not that, God gives everybody a gift in something, but sometimes I'll go a certain place and get very intimidated, 
by how perfect it all is. Well, you know, they're not guilty for that. That's not them. That's me. But I got a secret. I ain't giving up what I got for what they got. I ain't giving it up at all. I've said this before. I think I've said it here. But you know, honey's got a good reputation. Right? Anybody think honey's bad? No. But every bee only has to produce a little less than a teaspoon of it. And that's how honey has kept its good reputation for hundreds of hundred years of every little bee making their little teaspoon of honey. So I know that God give me this love affair with his word and with what he has sent to us in this day and that's my little secret, that's my little honey pot, that's where I always go. When everything gets a little posh and a little slick and a little high tech. And sometimes the dollars amounts that get spent on certain things, they just, you know, like, you know, take me five years to make that or, you know, Thank you a year for that. And, and you know, it just, well, uh, okay, we, don't, we won't go there. But, but I ain't trading what I got for that. God, give me something. It's my secret. And God put this treasure in earthen vessels. So I want to just go one more place in the scriptures. <laughs> you know, it, it don't matter how educated we get. And, I, and I'm not talking about educated like anybody around here is going to the seminary. But there are certain things they're, they're, they're like laws of physics. And, you know, gravitation is just here. And gravitation has certain effects. And uh, that's why your feet get tired. And it just is the way it is. So it's not a big medical mystery. You know, gravity's working against you in a lot of things. So there's certain things in the Word of God that, you know, it doesn't matter how sophisticated we get and, how, you know, how much scripture we can quote or how, or how many quotations of Brother Branham and things we know from this year which are somehow more advanced than that year and, you know, this eternal truth and Word of God, I, I, I didn't know that it had freshness markers on every container. That's a little sarcastic, but but it's not been my experience. 
Every, I read it and it's the truth and it's good and it touches my heart. And I'm thinking, man, that's been in the manna pot. That's, that's, that's out of that little pot inside the Shekinah glory. There's no freshness mark on that. So here we are in Samuel, the second chapter. Where's your clock? Am I supposed to have a clock? Oh. <laughs> um, without excuse. Okay. Busted. You're supposed to say, we don't have a clock, brother. Okay. Let's go to 2 Samuel. If you have your Bibles and you want to look at this, it's, it's, you don't have to go if you don't want. It's 2 Samuel. And this is a woman coming to David. And this woman had two sons. And these two sons in verse 6 of 2 Samuel 14... And thy handmaid, she's talking to David. Now, didn't Jesus speak in parables? Right? So, were those people in his parables, they weren't real, but they were real because they had to be real to you to get the story. So, this account is a little bit like that. And thy handmaid had two sons, and they strove together in the field, and there was none to part them, but the one smote the other and slew him. And behold, the whole family is risen against thine handmaid. So do you understand that thine handmaid, in other words, so this woman is talking to the king, and she's referring to herself as your handmaid. In other words, it's just kind of a a humility or saying, you know, because she's talking to the king, so she's saying, I'm I'm kind of like your servant or your handmaid. So, So don't get confused in the story. And behold, the whole family is risen against thine handmaid, and they said... Deliver him that smote his brother that we may kill him. For the life of his brother whom he slew. And we will do... So you understand what that was, right? The law said that if you killed somebody, it was a life for a life. It's eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Your life for his life. That's the law. So when all of her family, the whole family, now imagine how alone she felt because the whole family's agreeing on this that, hey, we got to keep the law here. The whole thing, this whole society's going to fall apart. We got to keep the law. Deliver him that smote his brother that we may kill him for the life of his brother whom he slew. He will destroy, and we will destroy the heir also. 
And so they shall quench my coal which is left, and shall not leave to my husband neither name nor remainder upon the earth. So she went to the king because the law had no remedy for her. The law had no answer for her. The law had nothing to offer her. The law is just the law. And there isn't salvation in it. There isn't redemption in it. There isn't there, 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 there was no medicine. There was no balm for her. There was no comfort. None of the above was in the law for her. And her whole family said, hey, you need to come to grips with the law. So where did she go? She went to somebody she thought might have compassion. Wow, nothing more powerful than love. Love never fails. She went somewhere, the law she already had, she went somewhere where she thought that somebody might have pity on her. Somebody might have compassion. Somebody might have a heart. And the king said to her, go to thy house, I'll, I'll, I'll take responsibility for this. And he said, you know, if anybody says anything to you, have them come talk to me. And she departed the king and she said, well, you know, may the Lord bless the king that saved me and would not suffer the revengers of blood to destroy anymore, lest they destroy my son. And he said, as the Lord liveth, there shall not be one hair of thy son fall to the earth. And then she went on to say, to David, she said, and the woman said, Wherefore then hast thou thought such a thing against the people of God? For the king doth speak this thing as one which is faulty, in that the king doth not fetch home again his banished. And I thought this was a very beautiful verse. We don't want to comment on the 13th verse because it will bring you into the whole story. But very beautiful verse here. For we must needs die and are as water spilt out on the ground which cannot be gathered up again. She's talking about all of us. This is, this is the condition we are all in. That we're as water spilt out on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Neither doth God respect any person. Yet doth he, God, 
Yet doth he devise means that his banished be not expelled from him. God's devising means that those that should be banished would not be banished from him. God's mercy, Brother Branham said in, in, in Message of Grace, he said, God's mercy is still running after you. And he said that, that, that grace is sovereign. And what can sovereign do? Sovereign can do whatever it wants to do. It can, it can save the lowest sinner. It can forgive the filthiest sin. It can take the lowest and the vilest and raise them up back. To a son and daughter of God. Because it's sovereign. There's nobody going to say. Well hey. I, well, I, I. There's nobody going to bring the law on the picture. There's nobody going to argue with sovereign. Right. And he is sovereign. Amen. So. If God will help me. I want my heart in it. And a person approached me the other day or, you know, was discussing and said, this, this, this anti-movement that went out, you know, how, how is it that it's still going and, 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 and you know, the message being uh, challenged and, and uh, they said, you know, maybe we need to just... Uh, you know, take it item by item and search out every uh, contention and history and all this. And, and, you know, why should we be afraid to fight that? And I just had to think in my life of all the challenges I've had before any of that came. And my life and the way that I have met challenges. And I, I can say this as a side note. When I got converted, we, we were right in the middle of Mormon country. You know, the LDS church was king in my neighborhood, you know, in our area. And so I read those books about Joseph Smith, and I knew, you know, how he got the tablets and how, where, how he grew up. I knew the early history of the church. And, buddy, I had it. And I thought I was going to use it on the missionaries. Well, they didn't know any of that stuff. So they're like, oh, yeah? You know, but what, what good did it do me? All I knew is more, more than they knew. And, and you can study Catholicism and you'll know most, more than most of the Catholics because they don't know what they believe. But what I have found is this, that when you look at Brother Branham's ministry and you, you listen to a tape and you see the Spirit of God moving in a meeting, and it's so powerful. And you go with him in this sermon and you marvel at how he brought this story. We was listening the other day to Blind Barameus and him laying on that rock in the sun and nobody would help him. And he starts putting that drama out and he said, that was the very rocks of Jericho. And finally, this kind woman says to him because you know he'd given up his turtle doves and he didn't have his seeing eye lamb 
And, and, and it's also a story he tells about uh, uh, the Lord will provide a lamb. And, and he's dramatizing all of this. And you're going with him in that story. And then finally he brings you to that place of that's the same God right now. And there you are in your living room saying, what is the matter with me? Yes, he's the same God. I believe it. And you get excited. Well, they're getting excited in the congregation too. And, a, and the whole congregation's erupting when they see the miracles of God and the power of God. And you go, wow. Then you put on another tape. It's the next night. And God's moving again the same way. And again, and again, and again. And you think, how did Brother Branham do that? How could he hold up? How could he, oh my, get so ashamed of myself. Wow. Come on, Dennis, buck up. Get out of bed. Get with the program. But Brother Branham said in... uh, Beyond the curtain of time, he said, that's not me. That's more than a man. Amen. So you know that physically, yeah. I wouldn't have the strength to do that. Yeah. 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 Okay, but I'm not trying to be Brother Brown, but I get a little hint there. That if I start partaking a little more of the spiritual things in the spirit of God, it does supernatural. It'll quicken me. It'll quicken this mortal body because the word of God promised that it would quicken this mortal body. Hallelujah. So the only answer to all these issues, and that one included, about this anti-move and everything that's anti in your life. You know, we don't got to have to concentrate on this anti-move over here. We got our life full of antis. You know, your, your work making a living's coming against you. It's an anti-movement. You know, this social system around here, it's an anti-movement. And the only way I see of this economy, okay, hang in here because this is some advanced economics. I do listen to the radio a little bit, you know. I confess. Okay? So... You know, the government, they got a way to handle the economy. The one guy says over here, he said, we got to cut these programs. You know what I mean? That program over there, that's a waste. Cut that off. Okay? And you know this other program over here? That, that, it's full of abuse and corrupt. You know, cut that program off. Let's cut all this off, and then we can balance the budget. And the guy on the other side, you know what he's saying? Oh, no, 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 no. That's a good program. We're going to tax this. We're going to put a new tax on carrots. And we're going to, you know, we're going to put a tax on, on, on dress shoes. Because anybody that wears shoes like that, they can, well, they can afford to pay more tax. We're going to put a tax on shoe leather, you know, and we're going to tax. And we're going to tax and we're going to raise raise. Revenue, we're going to keep on going, and we're going to raise revenue. And so I learned, because I'm fairly sophisticated, I learned that this on over here about raising revenues, that's called supply-side. Supply-side economics. I didn't pay attention enough to know what that other one was. But anyway, let's major on this, because that's what I know about. 
supply side economics. That's my answer for 2024 in my spiritual life is supply side. I'm going to listen to more tapes. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to be more surrendered. And I'm going to cut loose a little bit more because I don't, got, I don't know how much time I got left. And from now on, if I ever get asked to preach, I'm giving it both barrels. If God will help me, sky blue and gun barrel straight and, and a little bit sassafras enough that, that we can be real. Job said to his friends, he said, you guys are throwing me in a ditch. Huh? That's what he said. And he said, do you think that I can't taste I don't know, maybe there's a real Bible student in here. It's right at the end of one of those chapters. And he says, do you think my tongue can't taste? Do you think I'm not getting the flavor of this? You know, you guys are all religious and you got all kinds of stuff to say. But who do you think I am? Do you, you think I'm not, I'm not sensing this flavor, this atmosphere? Oh my, isn't it so nice to come and meet a brother and sister and that welcoming spirit. And you know, it's like, why in the world would I think anything else but that you're for me? And I believe it with all my heart. With young people, my heart is burdened. And you say, well, it's burdened because for teenagers because it's teenage years. No, I'm burdened with older ones for the burden. For what I see is just, man, you know, making a living and, and, and raising kids. And I, I'm seeing that and I'm getting desperate in my heart and I want them to know that I'm for them. I don't know what I can do. But I want to have something in my spirit. I want to have a love that projects. And if something that I've experienced could help them, then then I pray God would give me something edifying to say. And I do believe that some of it's hard. Some of it's hard. You know, I just got to tell them, hey, nobody, the church is not going to do it for you. And your wife's not going to make you what you should be. God's going to do that. And you're going to have to get desperate your own self. 
But isn't it good to know that God's for you? That you're the apple of his eye? You know, in this intellectual world, they're trying to figure out uh, if God exists. I'm so far beyond that. I know, I know why he exists. The prophet told me that he exists for me. I'm the fulfillment. He gave his life for me. I'm going to spend eternity with him. Praise God. Let's stand together. I, this little song blessed me. And I don't know. I've never done this any place before. But it, I asked the brothers if they could put up this song. And I don't know if you musicians have ever heard Brother Graham sing this song. Beyond the Reach of Mortal Kin. Huh? Anybody know this song? You do? Oh, bless your heart. We, you, you, you carry this, carry this for us. But I thought about my loved ones. They're just a little out of reach. Because I'm on the mortal side. But that other dimension isn't way out there. Huh? It's not way out there. I love that song also that says, you know, uh, we'll speed up and they'll slow down. But let's, let's see if we could sing this with Brother Branham. I don't know how the, uh, how the uh, music kicks in, but that is, uh, uh, what did we say that paragraph was? 95? So let me read you some words and then maybe you can jump in with Brother Bradham. He said, someday God only knows just where or when. The wheels of mortal life will all stand still. Then I shall go to dwell on Zion's hill. And then he goes into Swing low, sweet chariot. Do, we, do you got that, brethren? Can we play that? You know, like as in audio? Otherwise, Brother John will have to sing a special. <laughs> and you'll learn the song simultaneously. Other day, standing up at Green's Mill, my cave way back into the wilderness, been praying all day and about three o'clock the sun was setting I was standing up there looking across come out of the cave up on a big rock and I was standing there looking towards the east praising the Lord I could see the sun moving down in behind the trees up on top of the mountain as I looked across the canyon over into the others and a lot of foliage on just as still as it could be and I said Lord one day you hit Moses in the cleft of the rock you passed by him because he was weary but you passed by he said it looked like the back of a man I said hide me in the cleft Lord 
About that time, over to one side of me, there come a little wind moving down through the bushes. And it moved right along, come right down by the side of me, a little wind moving down. Went down through the woods. I stood there. Someday, God only knows just where or when the wheels of mortal life will all stand still. Then I shall go.